0: On the previous episode, we had Anthony Andrews on the show. Anthony was a former professional rugby player and teacher, now turned double business owner. I love how he came back to his passion of rugby with his latest venture. He also shares his thoughts about managing your fears. So if you're on the fence about what to do next and you're looking to overcome your fears, you should go check it out. Are you feeling stuck in your career and life? I'm Chris, and in 2018, I was sick of my job, I quit, and I decided to go travelling around Asia. I wanted to do my own thing. After trying lots of different business ideas and (laughs) making a lot of mistakes along the way, I finally found a new path and qualified as a coach. This podcast is me documenting my journey as a coach on a mission to help you find a career that matters to you. And going beyond your career, you'll get all the tools you need to smash your personal projects too. Are you ready to close the gap on where you want to be? Let's go! Hi guys, it's Chris Holmes here and you're joining me on the You In 5 Years podcast. On today's podcast we have Jacob Gibbons joining us to give us a career showcase. I've known Jacob for a while and I've always been fascinated with his career. Jacob started mountain biking at a young age and then found photography. Since the age of 15, Jacob loved developing his knowledge of moving images and photography and this passion led to a full-time career doing just that right out of school. He's a professional photographer and filmmaker, specializing in mountain biking, and gets to travel around the world doing what he loves. Hi Jacob, welcome to the podcast today. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. And yeah, could you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about your backstory and yeah, what you're up to now, please?
1: Backstory in a nutshell. I was born up in Lancashire, just south of the Lake District, lived there until I was 10 massively outdoorsy. My dad was into hiking and climbing and all that kind of stuff and then moved down to Dartmoor, lived there until I was 14 or 15. So moved around a lot but always been near kind of big wilderness areas, landscapes with lots of hills and that's kind of I think largely responsible for what I've ended up doing for a living which is being a photographer and filmmaker but specialising quite heavily in action sports and outdoor location-based stuff. So that's a lot of cycling, mountain biking, running, climbing, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, nice. What age did you get into biking and you knew it was something that you really enjoyed?
1: I got properly into mountain biking when I was about 11, 12, 13, something like that. Riding BMX, getting around, it was a mode of transport that you then start playing around with your friends and it kind of morphs into more than that. And it was just the freedom it gave you. And the I think action sports are massively good at helping people realize that failure is not something to shy away from. It's part of the process of learning. And you, you get that pretty immediately with biking. You try something, you crash. You try it again until you don't crash. You get better. That's how it works. So, yeah, since I was 12 or 13 and it's... Uh, shows no sign of slowing down.
0: And then how did you progress from enjoying it as a sport to taking your first steps into, uh, I guess, photography and filmmaking?
1: I guess to begin with, it was it was just a hobby. It was just a sport. I was a participant. And then your friends and everyone, you're all, you know, taking pictures of you doing your jumps and stuff just to show off or see how high you were going. And whenever it was my turn to take the picture of my friends riding, I always tended for some reason to get the better photos. And I also really enjoyed the process of that side of it as well. And so whenever we would go out, I would naturally gravitate towards spending more time taking the photos And then it slowly started becoming something that I would go out to do in its own right. So I would go down to the woods mountain biking with the intention of taking photos rather than going out just to ride my bike, which was, Hmm. I guess, the snowball effect from there led me to where I am now, which is a kind of crazy thought. So you've realized that you were taking good pictures with your friends and then
0: started to take pictures, like you said, in in its own right. And then what were the steps you took to realize you might be able to make a living from doing that?
1: I used to go to races as a participant, as a rider. And back then I was in the youth category. I was like 15 or something. So I'd go up, I'd do my race run. And then when I was done, I'd go and put the bike in the car, I'd get the camera. I'd run back up the track and I'd start shooting photos of all of the experts and elite level riders. At that point, it was just for fun. But I would then get home and upload some of the best pictures to the internet for other racers to see. And slowly, magazines and websites started wanting to use some of my pictures in their race reports and articles and stuff. And then when you're 15 or 16, and people start emailing you, offering you money (laughs) to use your pictures, which you would let them use for free because you're so stoked to see your pictures in that magazine or Mm. used by that famous rider and stuff. It was kind of a surreal pinch yourself moment. But if someone's offering you a bit of money for something, you generally don't turn it down. So you say, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Use the picture. Let me know if you want me to get any more. I'm at the next race next month. And they say, yeah, sure, go for it. Get us, you know, 10 photos, try and get one of this person. And then you agree that they'll give you 50 pounds before you've even turned up. And therefore, that's where the seed, I guess, was sown that this could be something you could earn a living doing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And at that age as well, doing something that you're enjoying anyway, starting to get paid for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's as I've grown older, and met more people, you realise that getting to make a living doing something you're truly passionate about is, I consider myself very fortunate to be able to do.
0: So yeah, you start to get more attention from magazines. And so then what, what was the next step in terms of growing your business to the point where it is now?
1: like most things in business, not completely upwards, lots of peaks and troughs. But the general trajectory from back then to where I am now was just a process of taking a lot of pictures, putting yourself out there, sharing lots of your work, taking constructive feedback. It was all of the normal things you hear about, but coupled with a passion and a lot of hard work, basically. You've got to. In any career path that's worth doing, seemingly, there's a lot of competition. And if you don't want it more than the 10 people behind you, you're probably not going to make it. But um, when it's something that you have such a deep interest in, it doesn't feel much like work. I mean, obviously, there's the nice days in nice places where the sun's shining and you're with your friends. That doesn't feel like work if it's minus one and pissing it down with rain and snow. You barely slept. Those days can feel a bit like work, but it's still still better than sitting in an office, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think uh, I'd agree on that one. (laughs) (laughs) How did you progress into filmmaking from getting established as a, a race photographer?
1: As DSLR cameras started being able to shoot photo and video in the same body, you kind of had the tool in your hand to be able to explore this whole other medium. And so I did. I dived in headfirst and started playing around with the video settings on my, at that time, Nikon D90 camera. From there, I just loved the, the fact that you could do a lot more with video. And with that, obviously, comes a plethora of massive technical problems that are a lot harder to get your head around than photography. But there's, there's a lot more depth to what you can do with that medium. And so I, I guess I found that interesting and just spout a lot of time energy, money, investing in equipment and all the rest of it. And um, now I do both regularly professionally, but probably more video than photography work. But there seems to be more video work out there these days than photo.
0: How do you go about finding new clients? Do you find that you've established yourself now to a point where people come to you or, or do you do some sort of marketing?
1: We're in a very fortunate position now that we've been working in the same niche, which is kind of mountain biking, cycling for long enough that a large proportion of our business is now from repeat clients or word of mouth. A lot of people in the industry will be with one company for X amount of years, and then they will move to another company in another marketing role. And so you end up expanding your clients list that way. And then it's all the same stuff as any other business, really. It's, it's sending messages, emails, Facebook, Instagram, all the rest of it, reaching out to people saying, hey, I I really like what you're doing or it'd be great to work together. I've, or if you've got an idea for some kind of project, then you can put together a pitch and pitch that at whoever you want to do it with. And you might never hear back from them. You might just get lost in the ether or, you know, you might get something back and it could happen, like with any marketing, I think. Yeah. The amount that you send versus the amount that come through with paying leads is is vastly different, but you've just got to put stuff out there.
0: Yeah, figure out which platform kind of gives you the best results, really. Yeah,
1: for what I do, it's, it's generally always been the more visual platforms like Instagram and YouTube and stuff that tend to do well. They're the places where you seem to grow the biggest audiences. For marketing, it's still emails, phone calls, all that kind of stuff, portfolios. All that is still super relevant.
0: What have been the main challenges, would you say, in in getting to the point where you do feel fortunate, where you can go to all these amazing race locations around the world? What challenges have you faced during that time?
1: To get where I was, like I say, I started quite young at sort of 14 or 15. And so from the ages of 16 through to like 23, it was say yes to everything, it was travel a lot, it was get your head down and I, I don't regret it for a second because I love what I do and it got to hmm. me to where I am now and I'm, I'm super content but it did mean that I missed out on a lot of the things that an average 20 year old does. I, stag do's and lads holidays and, yeah, okay. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff that I just kind of sailed straight past because every summer I was out of the country. It's super hard not to say yes to every opportunity because oh. you would love to do them all but If you say yes to everything, you don't leave much energy to look after yourself or plan and push in the direction you really want to be going. You can fall into a bit of a a security rut or something and just keep doing the same kind of work because it's easy and there. But that's, Mm. I don't know many creatives who (laughs) are happy with that. It seems to be with any kind of creative job, you're always striving to better what you're doing, to push to the next creative kind of level the goalposts are always moving always
0: moving forward yeah
1: yeah it was sometime around sort of 23 to 25 where i just thought maybe i am now in a position where i can take my foot off the gas slightly and kind of reassess that work life balance maybe it doesn't need to be 100% work from here on in it can it can be 80% work and 20% try and make some time for yourself but I honestly don't think I could have got to where I am now without doing five plus years of literally sacrificing everything else to go after this on career path. As I said right back in the start, I think you, you've you got to want it more than the 10 people behind you. And if you're not willing to put the work in, chances are somebody else will be.
0: I think it's good, though, that you, you came to that realisation, you know, the, the work-life balance was a bit out of sync where you had been kind of just saying yes to every opportunity. It's not... Not many people do have that realization. They 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 tend to just get to the point where they burn out, and then that's it.
1: Well, yeah, a lot a lot of people do have that realization, but it's quite often after they've had some kind of breakdown or been so stressed or overworked that they've made stupid mistakes that have been you know detrimental to their career. You need to be fresh and in a good state of mind to be on top of all of that.
0: So. What have been the best parts? I know you've had quite a long journey and you've you've enjoyed yeah, a man. lot of it, like you're saying, but can you tell our listeners some of the best parts?
1: As I say, I, I am incredibly fortunate to get to do something that I'm truly passionate about and earn a living doing it. And the amazing times are are so numerous. Any time that you're working with your friends, which for me is, is fairly often, fortunately, any time you're in an amazing place, of which there are countless amazing places i have been in the world can you give some examples of where you've been in the world i mean some of my favorite places are madeira which is a small island kind of off the coast of portugal kind of like a a mini hawaii but four hours from the uk new zealand israel south africa tanzania america chile Iceland. I mean, Norway, there's some amazing places. Yeah. And basically anywhere in the world that there's mountains. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I've been, I haven't really been to places where there's no mountains or hills. An area of the world I, I really want to do more of is Asia, Japan, that kind of part of the world. There's there, it's honestly been endless, amazing moments, chasing sunrises or sunsets with your friends doing what you love. But as I said, it's it's not It's not all roses. It's not all that you see on social media. It's not always the highlight reel. There's a lot of hard work and stress and all the rest of it behind the scenes. But generally, I'm fortunate to definitely have the balance tipped to the good. Yeah, amazing, man.
0: And what advice could you give to our listeners? So if they are into photography or they dabble a bit with filmmaking and potentially would like to maybe look to take it to another
1: level, what advice would you give to those guys? There is. The sage age-old advice of find a niche it's better to be a master of one thing and a jack of all trades I'm kind of a bit you know hypocritical there doing you know photography video I'm a drone pilot Movi and they're all strings to a bow that really I'm just a filmer and a photographer and these days they both have many facets to them but there is get out and shoot a lot as much as you possibly can, especially when you're starting out. Reverse engineer what you're shooting so that if you stumble across taking an amazing photo, which when we're starting out is how we all do it, you just take a picture. You have no idea how that just happened, but you look at the back of the camera and it looks great. It's working out why that went so well so that you can try and repeat it. It's learning about business side of stuff. because it's all well and good taking great pictures, but if you're not Slightly business savvy, you're probably not going to make a go of it. That's where possibly it's just going to be a, a hobby or a paying hobby. Kind of re- brings me kind of neatly onto the fact that you should assess whether or not this is something you want to do for a living. As soon as you start relying on your hobby to pay the bills, it changes what it is to you and no longer be your escape or your thing you do fun, but become stressful and become something you want to avoid.
0: Puts a bit of pressure on yourself before it's kind of being creative and being free. But then, like you say, it's, it's added a bit of reality to it in terms of, oh, no, I've got to pay some bills kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, in any creative field, especially when you're freelance, paying bills, doing it is never straightforward. You have to always be... Business minded, you've always got to be saving. You've always got to be putting money away for if a camera breaks or your car breaks or anything. And you're just going to always not rest on your laurels. You've got to be keeping hungry.
0: Yeah, some amazing advice there. And going down the creative freelancer route, you're right. You, you do need to have kind of like backup in case jobs don't come in. It's all that kind of good money management.
1: The, the whole management of the financial side of the business is crucial. It, it cannot be underestimated. I mean, if you don't have good cash flow, if you haven't got savings, if you're not putting a percentage of every invoice that hits your bank away, for a rainy day, for investment in kit, for your insurance, for whatever, you're gonna quickly fall foul of it. Obviously, you know, when I I started out, I was 16, I was still living at home. And that's a very fortunate position to be in. If you're doing this later in life, making that leap of leaving a full-time job to pursue your passion in photography can be a a much harder choice. And that's where it's a it's probably a gradual thing is better. Wait until it's a paying hobby. Dropped apart part-time in your day job. At some point, there is going to be that leap of faith. And like I say, if you've got to that point, there's a high chance that you are the person that probably wants it more than a lot of other people.
0: You've mentioned it a few times, and I think that's that's the main thing, isn't it? Is, is wanting it more than the next person because there will be others that are more passionate. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not putting in the hours in, it's hard to beat the competition really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. You've got to be good at what you do. You've got to be nice to deal with. You've got to be prompt and polite and all the rest of it. And if all of that meets hard work, you, sh- you should make a go of it. There's no reason why not.
0: And I, I liked what you're saying as well about doing it on the side and then building up the income and then going to part-time in your full-time job. Uh, it's, it's such good advice.
1: I think realising the way I came into this career is probably very unusual given how young I did it. I, I had fairly laser focus on the same end goal from the age of 13 to 30. And so that's kind of, from what I can gather, fairly unusual. And if you didn't have that clarity and you only figured out that you wanted to kind of maybe go towards photography and video as a career in your 20s, then you're not going to be able to sink 100% of every invoice just into investing in new equipment because you live at home and you don't have any bills when you're 15, which is great. But that's, it's just going to maybe take you slightly longer to get there, or you're going to have to make some hard choices. I mean, totally unconnected, but a few friends of ours have had to move back in with their folks for a year or two to save up money to buy their first house and that kind of stuff. I guess it's just a question of what you're willing to sacrifice to get where you want to be.
0: Yes, it's been really good chatting to you, Jacob, and I've been wanting to chat to you about your career for a while, so... It's been amazing having you on the show. How can our listeners best
1: connect with you? Best way at the moment is probably going to be Instagram. I'm at Jacob Gibbons Photo and the production company I'm one half of is at Aspect Media. I guess follow those two things and you should have a pretty good handle of what I'm doing and where I'm at. Yeah, nice. I'll uh, add them into the show notes
0: Yeah, so our listeners can find them as well.
1: been a pleasure chatting with you. I've liked the podcast so far and the previous episodes, so happy to be here. Yeah, cheers, man. If you can speak to people that
0: are kind of doing what they love doing for a living, it is inspiring to hear. So yeah, thanks again for being on the podcast, Jacob. And yeah, I'll uh, catch up with you soon. No bother. Cheers for having me. If you're feeling inspired to take your career to the next level, I'm dedicating a day in my diary to help those of you with your career change. On Friday 22nd of January 2021, I'm running 15-minute career change booster calls. So if you've lost your job, want to move up or on, or change career completely, then book a free Zoom call using the link in the show notes. I look forward to speaking to you. In the next episode, I'll bring on another special guest to help you on your career change journey. Thanks for listening to the You in 5 Years podcast. Keep moving forward, guys. Until next time.